0: Vegan versus local farm meat, which is better for you and for the environment. Thanks for tuning in, I'm Valentina and welcome to another day in my life without plastic. So hello, hello everyone, welcome to another beautiful Tuesday. Today we've got a hot and spicy topic on the plate. Just a little heads up, um, this will be a two-parts episode. I just think that all the information I've got to share with you is way too long to condense into one episode. And I don't really want to make this too long. I really want to give you enough time to process the information and really, really think about it. If you're following me on Instagram, you already know the topic for today. Vegan versus local farm. Which one is better for the environment and for your health? Today specifically, we'll be digging deep into the truth and myths of veganism. And on the next episode, we'll be going over farms in more details. And specifically, we'll be discussing if buying meat from local farms is actually even more sustainable than being vegan. My goal is really to challenge you, whatever your opinion may be. And to actually challenge myself as well. I've been doing a lot of research and learning a lot of new things that... didn't even think about before so please keep an open mind and just think about everything i'm presenting to you do your own research and see if maybe your opinion may change in the end of this but before we get started i've got a quick disclaimer for you i really want to point out that i really don't think there's one right way to eat i think that our food is our personal choice And we can't really force a lifestyle on anyone. I don't want you guys to get mad at people for being vegan or for eating meat. Everyone has the right to choose their own lifestyle. And if you think about it, dietary recommendations have always changed and evolved. Should you eat carbs? Should you avoid them? Are fats good? Are they not good? So even if you you disregard the question, are you vegan or not? Even then, dietary recommendations have their nuances. So now that we've got that out the way, another quick reminder, please stay tuned because I'll be sharing with you again another eco-friendly product. And this time I'll be bringing it up sometime around the halftime of the episode. Just as a little break, I think that we're going to deserve a small so-called commercial break, even though nobody's paying me for it. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's a lot of information and you're going to have to Take a little break to process it. I don't want to overwhelm you either. But enough rambling. Let's jump right into it. And just so you know what to expect from today's episode, I'll be going over the background of veganism and just sharing with you some details about the history of this entire movement. We're also going to tackle some stereotypes, see if they're true or not. And of course, we're going to answer the big question Is veganism good for the environment? In the end of the episode, I also want to share with you some conspiracy theories, which I found rather funny and, you know, maybe there is some truth to them, so I want to leave that up to your own judgment, but just wanted to present to you some controversial things that are out there about veganism as well. But let's start with the background. What does it really mean to be vegan? While vegans avoid eating all foods of animal origin. That includes meat, fish, dairy, products, eggs, and honey. Honey can still be quite controversial. Some vegans consider it vegan and others not. But for the purposes of this episode, we're just going to include it. Veganism was originally defined purely as a dietary choice. But many vegans extend this ethic to fight animal testing and ingredients from all things they consume or wear. Yes, veganism does not only involve food. It also includes clothing, shoes, personal care items, cosmetics, and even medicine. So as you see, that means that for many people, veganism is not just a diet, it's an actual lifestyle. And of course, I do want to bring it up that Some people choose to follow a vegan diet because they have dietary restrictions. And following a vegan diet is just the safer choice for them. Of course, if you can't consume dairy, it's much easier to request a vegan meal in a restaurant than having to explain to the chef or request specific changes. And of course, other people decide to follow a vegan lifestyle for completely different reasons. And I want to bring up three of the main reasons why people choose to become vegan. The first one, of course, environmental advantages. And this is probably one of the reasons why you're on this podcast. Livestock produce staggering amounts of methane. And this is why a vegan diet may offer the easiest and most effective way to reduce our contribution to climate change. There are several environmental factors that advocate that a vegan lifestyle is better for the environment. First, vegan diets can dramatically reduce the land that must be devoted to crops, since raising farm animals is extremely wasteful compared to growing crops directly for people. Of course, the water used is significantly less as well. Also, a vegan diet most of the time allows consumers to opt in for less food packaging, for example, when purchasing veggies or grains, You can oftentimes purchase them either package-free or in bulk and with very minimal packaging. All of that helps people reduce their personal waste as well. And in the next episode, we're going to explore how people can reduce trash in their households even when they eat meat. So stay tuned for that. But it is definitely much easier when following a vegan diet. The second main reason why people may choose a vegan diet is health benefits. Some people can argue that a vegan diet can eliminate many of our diet's most unhealthy foods, replacing them with delicious, nutrient-rich fruits and vegetables, whole grains, beans and nuts. We're going to explore this point in a little more details later on and see some opposing opinions. And the third and probably one of the most significant reasons why people decide to choose a vegan diet is preventing animal suffering. Most far animals are raised on factory farms. And yes, this is a new term because before farms used to be just local little farms and there was a farmer taking care of his animals and most of the time they were taking good care of them. But now we're talking about factory farms. Animals raised on factory farms experience cruelties beyond our imaginations, throughout their entire lives. Animal slaughter is, for me personally, extremely disturbing, and some people argue that often the animals are clearly frightened and seem to know their death is imminent. We're going to go into more details about smaller, sustainable farms and factory farms on my next episode, but I did want to point this out. It is something very heartbreaking and is definitely a reason for many people to stop consuming animal products altogether. As you see, veganism is not simply about avoiding animal products in your diet. For many, it's actually a philosophy that rejects the status of animals being treated as simple products rather than living beings. And you know, in our Western society, we've even gone to the point that we've altered the language we use when we talk about those animals. For example, we don't say that we eat pig, we say pork. We don't say that we eat a cow, we say beef. All of these language nuances allow us to distance ourselves from the topic and from the issue. When we go to a restaurant, we order a steak. We don't order the rare back portion of the cow we go on and develop new fancy terms that portray the quality of the meat and at the same time disassociate us from the animal even more for example when we order a filet mignon nobody thinks about the animal that meat came from everybody just thinks that it's a very high quality meat this is not to say that vegan is the right way to eat but this is how we as a western society have excused the creation of industrial animal farms where we cage animals in cages that barely fit their body sizes, feed them trash, don't even think of them as living beings and solely breed them for the purposes of slaughtering them. But you know, since veganism has evolved to not only describe a dietary choice, but also a lifestyle, people really think that veganism is rather new. And this is not really the case. We've always had vegan food in our diet. It's just that we never really described it as vegan. You know, we just don't say, oh, I'm eating a vegan banana or I'm eating a vegan potato. We just don't call those foods vegan. It's just funny to me because, you know, the truth is that what we call vegan food has always been a staple in our diets. But when I say always... What does that really mean? When did the term actually emerge? Well, Donald Watson coined the term vegan in 1944, when he co-founded the Vegan Society in the UK. At first, he used it to mean non-dairy vegetarian, and by May 1945, vegans explicitly abstained from eggs, honey, and animals' milk, butter, and cheese. From 1951, the society defined it as the doctrine that men should live without exploiting animals. Interest in veganism increased significantly after 2010, and more vegan stores opened and more vegan options have become increasingly available in supermarkets and restaurants worldwide. So I think that this is a two-way road, you know, demand definitely drives supply. And another reason i think veganism has become so popular is because now it's much more easily attainable again there's a variety of different products you can choose from and they're not really that expensive anymore so if you wanted to switch to a vegan lifestyle it's much easier than before 2019 was declared the year of the vegan chain restaurants began making vegan items on their menus and supermarkets improved their selection of vegan processed food. The first known vegetarian butcher shop selling mock meats opened in the Netherlands in 2010, while the America's first vegan butcher opened in Minneapolis in 2016. Now, let's just keep in mind the vegetarian butcher shop in Netherlands. When we talk about vegetarian meats versus vegan meat, Vegetarian meat could contain still some dairy products, it's just not real meat. Whereas vegan is 100% no animal product whatsoever. Plant-based meat sales in the United States have grown 37% in the past two years. So as you see, it's an industry that's growing more and more. But you know, even though veganism is an extreme form of vegetarianism, And even though the term was coined in 1944, the concept of flesh avoidance can be traced back to ancient Indian and Eastern Mediterranean societies. I mean, you can still see a hint of this in today's food, right? Whenever you eat Indian or Eastern Mediterranean food, there's a lot of vegan and vegetarian options already incorporated in their traditional dishes. So while the term was first introduced in 1944, we can definitely trace it back to a lot of different ancient societies. And, you know, partially the reason for that was spiritual and religious beliefs. But not only can we trace veganism and vegetarianism to ancient cultures based on their spirituality, there are also philosophical reasons why some ancient cultures decided to stick to mostly vegetarian diets. The Greek and Roman diet, for example, was mainly composed of cereals, vegetables, and fruit. And there's a lot of research on ancient bones showing that the gladiators, for example, and other warriors in ancient Rome were predominantly vegetarian. Now, please don't take this out of concept. I'm not saying all gladiators and all warriors were vegetarian. I'm just saying that their diet was predominantly vegetarian. And if you think about it, It makes sense because back in the days, eating meat was not that easy. You had to hunt it, you had to cook it, you know, there was no way to store it. Also, farmers were very careful not to slaughter too many of their animals, um, you know, because owning animals gave them access to a lot of other animal products like eggs, milk, cheese, and so on. So they didn't want to just slaughter their their animals for meat and then not be able to have any other animal products at all. So their diets were very heavily vegetarian. And of course, they were still consuming meat every now and then, just not to the extent that we are doing it today. (laughs) Vegetarianism is first mentioned by the Greek philosopher and mathematician Pythagoras, around 500 BCE. In addition to his theorem about the right triangles, he also promoted kindness among all species, including humans. He taught his followers that all animals, not just humans, had souls, which were immortal and reincarnated after death a concept called transmigration. Since a human might become an animal at death, and an animal might become human, Pythagoras believed that killing and eating non human animals. Damaged the purity and integrity of the soul. Additionally, he felt that eating meat was unhealthy and made humans wage war against one another. For these reasons, he abstained from meat and encouraged others to do likewise. His followers also avoided eggs and rejected the ritual offerings of meat to the gods, which were an essential part of traditional religious sacrifices. Probably these are the main reasons making Pythagoras one of the earliest campaigners for ethical vegetarianism. And of course, he was not the only evidence of animal advocate in ancient times. There's so many other examples of vegetarians being a popular choice in ancient times. What used to be normal, or at least nothing really extraordinary, has now caused so many stereotypes. When in fact, we're talking about something that has always been around. It's nothing new. While the term may be new, you know, the concept itself, it's not. It's always been around. But talking about stereotypes, let's see what we've got here. So I was reading this article that was pointing out some pretty big stereotypes people have against vegans. And I wanted to bring some of them up and just kind of discuss them briefly. So one of the biggest stereotypes is that vegan men are physically weak. You know, you're not eating meat, you can't possibly be strong. Well, it's funny because they are athletes who are vegan. Some of the most famous ones, for example, the MMA fighter Nate Diaz, he follows a vegan lifestyle. Vegans are capable of building muscle and competing athletically with a plant-based diet. Many have reported actually feeling better as vegans than before when they were eating meat. The second stereotype is protein deficiency. Well, actually, vegans can get enough protein through many plant sources. These include peanut butter, beans, chickpeas, pumpkin seeds, tofu, and many, 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 many more. I get this argument though. Um. The real issue with, ve- with a vegan diet is not really not getting enough protein. It's getting a complete protein. So protein that contains all the essential amino acids. And this is why you see that a lot of vegans end up taking supplements to make sure that they stay as healthy as possible. Another stereotype I read was that vegans are soft and sensitive. <laughs> well, um, let me tell you I think that this is one of the most ridiculous uh, stereotype possible that I've heard ever because think about it vegans decide to change their entire eating habits just so they can benefit not only their health but also animal welfare and also the environment and for this to be seen as weak is beyond absurd I think I think that going vegan takes great mental strength, integrity, and dedication. It's not an easy lifestyle for everyone to follow. Because, again, it's not convenient. And like I have mentioned previously, also in my last episode, when something's not convenient, you're less likely to stick to it. So for someone who loves meat or cheese, for example, to become vegan is a pretty big deal. For me, that means a lot of mental strength, to be honest. The next stereotype I saw was that vegans are whiny. And I mean, I guess some are, but I feel like this is something you can say about any type of passion people really have. I mean, um, for example, my husband loves playing video games. Does he go on and ramble about video games all day long sometimes? Yes, he does. But do I consider him whiny because of that? I mean... Not really, he just talks about what he's passionate about. Now, of course, it's annoying if someone insists on changing you and changing your beliefs, that's a different story. But if you're just having an open conversation, or let alone if you were the one who first asked them a question, now that's a different story. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people will avoid telling you they're vegan just because they want to avoid having arguments or even worse, hearing your nutritional advice that they don't need. And you know what? I wanted to add one stereotype as well. I didn't see it in this article, but what they pointed out is that people think vegans are unhealthy. On the other hand, I think it's also a stereotype to think that all vegans are healthy. You know, not all vegan food is good for you. There's a lot of highly processed food. And it's also very easy to get into unhealthy habits, especially when you're first starting a vegan diet and you don't really know much about nutrition. Plus, so many places are now offering vegan alternatives that it's easy to still eat fast food and it's probably worse than the real thing because it's so highly processed. So yeah, maybe in the past when people are more likely to cook at home their own vegan food, it was healthier. But as of right now, there are plenty of unhealthy vegan options to choose from. (laughs) Okay, I think we've been talking for a while. Let's take a quick break. As I promised you, I wanted to show you another eco-friendly product. So since we're talking about veganism and vegans obviously eat predominantly veggies and fruits, I wanted to introduce you to produce bags. And if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're simply tuning in through a podcast platform, make sure to check out the blog I'm gonna have plenty of pictures there for the produce bags so you can see what they look like. But produce bags are my absolute favorite sustainable swap, if you wanna call it that. I think that they help tremendously in reducing the use of plastic bags because anytime I go to a supermarket to purchase some veggies and fruits, I don't have to reach out for a plastic bag anymore. I just toss them in my produce bags. But besides reducing the use of plastic, they're also really good for storing your produce. So for example, um, onion skin can kind of start getting everywhere because it starts peeling and if you have your onions inside a produce bag, you're going to be able to keep your space clean. And you can literally wash and reuse those bags as many times as you want. So yes, I definitely recommend them. If there's one thing that you want to invest in, produce bags, it is. Okay, but before we get back to veganism, I wanted to share really quick the results from the polls in my Instagram account. I posted a couple of stories because I wanted your honest opinion and just to see where you guys stand with the entire issue. Um, So I just wanted to share some of those with you. I got a little over a hundred people answering those just so you know know, the the quantity of our sample group. And the first question was, are you vegan? Which 23% of my followers who answered said they are and 77 are not vegan. Do you shop meat or other animal products from a local farm? 65% answered yes and 35 no. And of course, um the question that everyone wants to answer do you think veganism helps the environment 75 percent of people said yes i really think that in general when we talk about veganism most people are going to think that it helps the environment most people assume that you have to be vegan to support the environment and vice versa most people think that if you're vegan you must be supporting the environment I also asked how many times a week do you eat meat for people who are not vegan. And, you know, it was between zero and 10. And the average answer was around four, four times a week, wow. So um, not sure if they meant four days or four times in general, because you know, that ham and cheese sandwich also has meat in it. <laughs> and of course, I also wanted to feature your guys' opinion. So I went ahead and asked, are you in favor of veganism or local farm food? And I wanted to share some of the answers on here. That Eco Lady says both. Nothing should be taken to extremes. A bit of local and ethical animal products and plants. Nice. I actually agree with that. I think that um, a lot of people nowadays are starting to kind of find a very balanced way to handle this issue. Me, Mother Earth, says, we are 99 percent vegan but i recently had cravings for eggs so we went with a local csa i feel like sometimes people are being judged if they see like a vegan or vegetarian eating meat or an animal product once in a while it's automatically like oh my god you're not vegan anymore and it's literally like it's my first egg in six months relax and lastly analyst Mirko says veganism is helpful but it's a business too and conscious consumption is key. Well said, well said. Well, if you would like to get featured, if you would like your opinion to be featured on the podcast, make sure to follow my Instagram and stay tuned with the upcoming polls. But let's get back to the topic. So we've covered now the background and the stereotypes that come with veganism. And next on the agenda is finding out a vegan food is really good for the environment. There are several things we need to consider when we talk about this issue. And let's first start with packaging. I think that packaging is the most visual clue we can get if veganism actually helps the environment. And in general, we can find unprocessed vegan food either package-free or with minimal packaging. For example, again, when we shop veggies, grains, nuts, and so on, most of the time, we can purchase them in bulk and either use our own containers or just a little paper bag to fill it up with stuff. Again, you can use the produce bags for veggies. Or honestly, in some cases, like veggies, for example, you can just pick up loose. You don't have to package them. But of course, again, this doesn't mean that all vegans shop package-free. Usually, people who follow a vegan diet are more conscious about their impact on the environment. So, most will avoid plastic wrapping, for example, for veggies and so on. But you can't just assume that every single person who's vegan follows that. Again, some people do it out of dietary restrictions. Everyone has different reasons why they follow that diet, and the environment may not be the biggest one. The second way a vegan diet can actually help the environment. through composting. And composting is a very complex subject that honestly deserves an entire episode on its own that we're probably going to cover in the future. But just in general, any organic material is generally biodegradable and you can use it to create a compost. Or you can also add that organic material to someone else's compost. For example, I collect my food scraps when I cook, when I eat. I just collect them and freeze them in my freezer in a little container. And every week or every two weeks, depending on how many I have, I go and drop them off at a Back to Earth station. Back to Earth is an organization here in Miami where you can drop off your food scraps. They have a list of things you can collect and drop off at several different locations. And they take care of creating the compost so you don't have to do it at home. Because if you don't know how to do a a compost correctly, you can oftentimes make it very stinky or attract some unwelcomed animal life. (laughs) But the biggest benefit of a compost is that it's very rich in nutrients. It's used, for example, in gardens, landscapes, urban agriculture and organic farming. The compost itself is beneficial for the land in many ways. Including acting as a soil conditioner, a fertilizer, and as a natural pesticide for soil. And again, it's a concept that I'm gonna cover another time, but it's a simple way to give back to Earth in a very healthy way. Instead of filling up the landfills and polluting, it's only responsible f- for us to handle our waste in a good way. If you're vegan, of course, composting is much easier. Because you can't compost any animal products. The closest you could get to is composting eggshells. But in general, following a vegan diet is going to allow you to compost in a much, much easier way. Another way a vegan diet can help the environment is simply the reason that they're avoiding animal products. Livestock have great environmental impacts. Factory farming is a major contributor to water and air pollution, as well as deforestation. Factory farmed animals produce more than 1 million tons of manure every day. Every day. 1 million tons. Every single day. I think, I mean, just think about that for a second. Imagine the image. Imagine the smell. (laughs) Anyway, the animal waste often contains undigested antibiotics, which are given to the livestock to prevent the spread of disease in their confined living conditions. This waste is usually stored in large open air lagoons, which are essentially lakes full of animal waste. This is what they are. I mean, you can call them fancy terms. It's just a lake full of animal waste. These lagoons can leak and spill, often during times of flooding, and have actually spilled over into Other water bodies, contaminating them and killing their fish populations. The lagoons are often emptied using a spraying system in which the waste is applied to nearby fields. This can also contaminate local water supplies. It can reach neighboring populations physically, and of course, it emits harmful gases. Likewise, livestock releases methane gas during their digestion process. For this reason, factory farms serve as concentrated sources of methane gas emission. So I'm not going to go into too many details about factory farming because we'll talk about the pros and cons of farms in the next episode, but here are some quick facts to consider that still relate to veganism. There are different stats about this, but in general, between 1,800 And 2,400 gallons of water is used to produce a single pound of beef. This is equivalent to consuming water for seven years for the average person. Okay, so I'm going to repeat it because it's a large number. 1,800 to 2,400 gallons of water. We're talking about gallons of water for one single pound of beef. Think about it. 26.2% of US retail meat is discarded by stores and consumers. This staggering number equates to 14 billion animals. So 14 billion animals die just so they can be discarded as waste. Just just let that sink in. To understand how massive the meat industry is, just consider this. Every second 266 land animals, this does not include fish, simply land animals. 266 land animals die for food in the United States. Every single second, think about it. 266 animals die every single second. This is just sad. Now, let's see how the average person can have an impact on this. While the average meat eater consumes approximately 11 cows, 27 pigs, 2,400 chickens, 80 turkeys, 30 sheep, and 4,500 fish in their lifetime, a single person consumes all these animals. their lifetime the animal activist site contains a link for vegetarians and vegans to discover how many animals they have saved during the time they've avoided eating meat and in general more or less that's approximately 200 animals per person each year i'm going to include the link to this calculator in my blog so you can go ahead and just mess with it if you're interested in knowing how many animals you personally have saved, if you follow a vegetarian or vegan diet, or if you decide to maybe start in the future, you can have an idea of what impact you would have. So to answer the question, long story short, yes, in general, if you follow a vegan diet, you are more likely to help the environment. But, and this is a big but, we have to talk about processed food that comes with the vegan diet. Now, not all plant-based foodstuff have small environmental footprints. And there's actually an article that was published by the BBC that has a pretty good explanation for that. It says, It has all the makings of a delicious smoothie, a dollop of almond butter, an avocado, a few slices of mango, a handful of blueberries, a sprinkle of cocoa powder, and perhaps a glug of soya milk. As a tasty, vegan-friendly drink to start your day, it is packed with nutrients and will do wonders for your health. But it may be doing far less for the planet. Air-transported fruit and vegetables can create more greenhouse gas emissions per kilogram than poultry meat. Delicate fruits like blueberries and strawberries, for example, are often imported to Europe and the US by air to fill gaps left when local fruit are out of season. Without careful consideration where our food comes from and how it is grown, our diets can have unintended consequences. Take the strange case of two vegans in an Italian study who were found to have an environmental impact considerably higher than many meat eaters. When the researchers dug a little further, They discovered the pair exclusively ate fruit. They ate a huge quantity of fruits, explains Francesca Sazzina, an expert on human nutrition in the University of Parma, Italy. In fact, I remember 7 to 8 kilograms, which is equal to 15 to 17 pounds, more or less, per day of fruit. We collected their data in the summer, so they especially ate watermelons and cantaloupes. Of course, now let's be mindful that this is an example of just two vegans. It doesn't mean all vegans eat like that. But it is possible for someone following a vegan diet to actually have a negative impact on the environment. And this specific study did include vegetarians, vegans, and omnivores. And in the end, they did conclude that eating meat was on average worse. But this was just a case of how eating vegan doesn't necessarily mean you're saving the environment. Also, um, another very popular thing with vegan diet is almonds. Let's talk about almonds real quick. The truth is that tree nuts in general are perhaps the anti-heroes of the vegan diet. They are packed with valuable nutrients and proteins, but they arguably take more than their fair share of environmental resources. Cashew nuts almonds, and walnuts are some of the most water-intensive large-scale crops grown on the planet. It is estimated that just between those three types of tree nuts, they consume 4,134 liters, that's about 909 gallons, of fresh water for every kilogram of shelled nuts that we purchase. Now, I did the math for you just so you can understand it better. One kilogram is about 2.2 pounds, and this means that about 413 gallons of water is used per pound of one of those types of nuts, right? Like, let's say, almonds as an example. Now, thinking back to beef, for example, that takes about 1800 gallons of water per pound of beef, and if almonds only take 413 gallons of water per pound it is still considerably better, right? What I mean with this is that it is better, it's not perfect. And this is something that we need to also think about. Anything we do has an impact on the environment. And it always will have. We need to think about all the actions we're taking, the lifestyle we're choosing, and really research everything that we do. And I'm not going to tell you which is right and which is wrong today we really only took a look at veganism and didn't really touch base on farms. We're going to save this for next episode. And maybe in the end of the next episode, I'll be able to tell you my own opinion and hopefully you'll be able to draw your own conclusions as well. But you know what? I think that it's time for us to jump into the conspiracy theories. I really think that some of those are very funny, but I also feel like there's always some truth behind all of them, so I really hope that you're going to enjoy them and just maybe do your own research for some of those things. Well, let's start with the first conspiracy theory. Vegan products are not really vegan. Ooh, <laughs> let's see what this is about. Well, have you heard of non-vegan fruits? Our fruits? actually vegan? Hmm, let's see. So imagine this, you walk into a supermarket and isn't it just surprising how nice all of these bananas look? A lot of times it's thanks to chitosan, which is used as a preservative to increase the shelf life of bananas. And chitosan is actually taken from shells, most commonly shrimp and crabs. So yes, Fruits are technically vegan, but sometimes non-vegan products are used as preservatives. Did you know that? I didn't. Fruits and vegetables, even from organic farms, often use animal manure as fertilizer. This manure may be bought from factory farms and thus may be relevant to vegans for ethical or environmental reasons. So technically, if you really want your veggies to be 100% vegan... They should only use plant compost. But of course, this is something that is very hard to regulate. I mean, most, most of the time people just think, I'm eating a banana. A banana is vegan. You don't really go on and think about, oh my god, they used kaitosan to preserve it. Or maybe um, they didn't use a plant compost, but they bought you know, um, fertilizer from a factory farm where they torture literally animals. I mean, it's a very fine line to walk, I think. I think this conspiracy theory has its sides, you know. So how can you be sure what's vegan and what's not? Well, the British Vegan Society's sunflower logo and PETA's bunny logo mean the product is certified vegan, which includes no animal testing. The leaping bunny logo signals no animal testing, but it may not be vegan. I'm going to include the logos on the website so you can check them out and see the difference so you kind of are aware next time you purchase your product if you're buying something that's just not animal tested or if it's actually vegan. The vegan society criteria for a vegan certification are that the product contains no animal products and that neither the finished item nor its ingredients have been tested on animals by or on behalf of the manufacturer or by anyone over whom the manufacturer has control. Its website contains a list of certified products, as does the Australia's Choose Cruelty Free. The British Vegan Society will certify a product only if it is free of animal involvement as far as possible and practical, including animal testing. But they say they recognize that it is not always possible to make a choice that avoids the use of animals. An important concern is the case of medications, which are routinely tested on animals to ensure they are effective and safe, and may also contain animal ingredients, such as lactose, gelatin, and more. There may be no alternatives to prescribed medications, or other alternatives may be unsuitable, less effective, or maybe have more adverse side effects. Experimentation with laboratory animals is also used for evaluating the safety of vaccines, food additives, cosmetics, household products, workplace chemicals, and many other substances. So, vegans may avoid certain vaccines. For example, the flu vaccine um, is usually grown in eggs, in hens' X. And an effective alternative is flu block, which is widely available in the United States. But as you see, it is not easy being vegan, especially if you consider veganism being an ethical choice and not simply a diet. So, some people ask Are people really vegan? Is it possible to have a complete overview of all these factors? And I personally think that people who want to be vegan are simply vegan to the best of their ability. You know, at some point, you need to trust others. If you go to a restaurant and order something vegan, you trust that it truly is vegan it's messed up if they lie to you but it can happen it can happen that maybe the restaurant owners or the chef is not knowledgeable enough and doesn't consider all these factors before listing something as vegan just like anything else it is our duty to question what we see read and hear and to hold companies accountable when we catch them in a lie okay i think this was the longest conspiracy theory the next ones are pretty short But this next one is something that I think people do need to talk about and just consider, you know. This goes back to imposing your own lifestyle on others. But in this case, we're going to talk about children and pets. You know, some vegans extend their philosophy to the diets of their families, including children and pets. Now, I'm going to put those two together just because some people have children but not pets. Others have pets, no children. Some have both. But in general, I think it's a very similar argument and something that I saw across multiple uh, articles with lots of similarities. So, when we talk about pets, this is particularly true for domesticated cats and dogs, for which vegan pet food is both available and technically nutritionally complete. This practice has been met with caution and criticism, though, especially regarding vegan cat diets, because cats are generally Carnivores. Nutritionally complete vegan pet diets are comparable to meat-based ones for cats and dogs, but a 2015 study found that 6 out of 24 commercial vegan pet food brands do not meet the Association of American Food Control officials labeling regulations for amino acids adequacy. So I just feel like you know again it's one of those things that you really have to research very well. And not just impose it on others. So you can't just be like, I want my pet to be vegan. Because whatever your philosophy is, you need to actually research if it's healthy for them. You need to make sure that the brand you pick has the full list of nutrients needed. And also amino acids needed for your pet to be healthy. And I think that it's very similar when we talk about the same issue in regards to children. Uh, Is it controversial? Some people think it is when we think about feeding our children and pets drink strictly on a vegan diet. Because in the end of the day, we don't give them a choice to choose themselves, right? We are forcing our own beliefs onto them in that case. And while I agree that factory farming is a huge issue that needs to be not only addressed, but seriously worked on, I somewhat disagree with forcing others to follow your lifestyle just because you chose to. So next on the list is PETA. I really think that it's worth sharing, but definitely do your own research as well. And everything you read online, just make sure to follow up what source you're reading it from, where exactly that source comes from, maybe who's sponsoring them. Those are all things that can influence someone's opinion, you know. But I really thought that it would be fun sharing all these things just to give you a different perspective of what some people are saying about PETA online. So one of the theories says that in 2011, PETA euthanized the overwhelming majority of dogs and cats that it accepted into its shelters. Out of 760 dogs, they killed 713, arranged for 19 to be adopted, and farmed out 36 to other shelters which necessarily doesn't mean that those dogs didn't die. They were just sent to other shelters, but there's no follow-up What happened after. And similarly with cats, um, 1,211 is uh, the, ca- the number of cats that they had. They euthanized 1,198 out of those, transferred eight, and found homes for a grand total of five. PETA also took in 58 other companion animals, including rabbits, out of which they killed 54. So, I mean, this is a very big claim, you know, um, being responsible for the death of so many, so many domestic animals. Well, not only is PETA against pet ownership, but it kills the vast majority of animals it takes in every year. Since 1998, official government records show that PETA has killed about 40,000 animals. A state inspection found that most animals are killed within 24 hours. PETA paid $50,000 after it was caught stealing and killing a family's dog in Virginia. So this is what one of the conspiracy articles about PETA claims. But let's go over one last thing. The last conspiracy theory that I think it's noteworthy, and that is that veganism is a business. Food trends are far more political and economically motivated than it seems. The global vegan food market is now expected to grow each year by nearly 10% and to reach around 24.3 billion US dollars by 2026. Figures like this have encouraged the megaliths of the agriculture industry to step in, having realized that the plant-based lifestyle generates large profit margins, adding value to cheap raw materials such as protein extracts, starches, and oils through ultra-processing. Yes, in the end, it comes down to bigger profit margins. Plant-based food is still relatively expensive, while it takes much less resources and money to produce. So the result is that today, private interest and political prejudices often hide behind the big talk of ethical diets and planetary sustainability. I mean, even just walking into a drugstore, not just foods. Let's talk about cosmetics. You can already see so many different sustainable or vegan uh, cosmetic options, right? But are they truly vegan? Does the company truly mean it or are they just using it as a way to market their product so i don't know Um, i think there's some truth to this one let me know what you think on on my instagram do you think that it's possible to be a hundred percent vegan i personally think that being vegan as a reason to fight factory farming and the suffering of animals is a very strong argument I think it's amazing for people to be able to give up foods they've enjoyed because they want to save at least some animals from their horrible destinies. And does veganism truly help the environment? Well, I think it does to an extent. But that involves a lot of research on our part as consumers to understand where everything is coming from and how it's produced. In the end, it is a business. We can't say otherwise. This is the main reason all these big companies are jumping on board and joining the trend. So I think we just need to be smart about it. We need to be smart about what we stand for and what we advocate. And like I always say, challenge our own beliefs and go from there. Okay, this is all for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I genuinely hope you enjoyed everything I shared with you today. And definitely stay tuned for next week's episode when I'll be sharing with you the truths and myths about factory farms and local farms. What really goes on behind closed doors? And we'll also look back at veganism and see which is actually truly better for the environment. Vegan food or animal products from local farms. See y'all next Tuesday. Bye!